0: Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders sponsored by Faith Lead at Luther Seminary. Pivot invites church leaders to use disruptive moments to reimagine how they think about church, ministry, and leadership. Welcome to Pivot. I'm Terry Elton, and today our theme is Reflecting on Learning.
1: And I'm Alicia Granholm, and I would love to introduce our guest, Brandy Gurdjieff. Brandy was part of our Leadership for Faithful Innovation cohort that took place over several years, and she has been serving a church in Minot, North Dakota, since 2014. After getting her MDiv, Brandy traveled on the preaching fellowship for a year and then served in the Minneapolis Synod at a congregation for several years before returning to her birthplace of Minot, North Dakota. Brandy, we are so excited to have you with us today. And I want to start by having you reflect on why reflecting on learning is a key element to Faithful Innovation.
2: All right. Well, hello and good to be with you today for what I think is like the hardest part of this whole process. So I of course chuckled a little bit when I saw your invitation email and the topic you wanted me to talk about because I thought of course this is god having a good good chuckle at my expense to make me reflect on on my most challenging piece. But I just can't overstate really how important this piece has been for me in my congregation these last few years, as far as just putting one foot in front of the other, even during the the pandemic and undertaking ministry in all kinds of new ways, um, because we just are so accustomed to like, go, go, go and do, do, do. And then there has to be this space kind of within that or at the end of that where we are intentional about sort of recognizing maybe what what just happened. What did we discover? What was God up to among us? And how are we going to move forward in light of all of that? And I think it's been challenging for me, especially in the past, because it's not like easily uh measured as far as productivity goes like this part of the process is not like you know we can show our our progress and so I think that's why it's a little bit countercultural um, to take that time and to set aside um, some effort and time to to do that really important work so that we can so we can start again basically
0: So Brandy, first of all I want to thank you for acknowledging that this is hard, like this part, and some of it's the doing the work, but a lot of it is just taking the time, right? Like squeezing out time or getting the committee back together or the team back together to say, we are going to reflect on that experiment or that Lenten series or that event that we had and what can we learn, right? Not to judge or evaluate or rate on a scale of one to five, but that weird kind of space around, did we learn something and maybe something unexpected? You and I met, I got a chance to come to Minot on a visit to Western North Dakota with one of our staff and learn a little bit about your synod. And that was before the pandemic, you were trying some new things. What I would love, and I remember some of our conversations at that point, you were just kind of leaning into this innovation work and trying some experiments how did you begin to invite the congregation into pausing and doing that? It's one thing for ourselves, right? It's hard. But how do we invite others into that space and convince them it's a good idea or give them some tools to do it or whatever?
2: Well, I think where we where we kind of started with all of this as far as that, yeah, when you were visiting our synod is that we wanted to invite our congregation into telling stories And stories about their faith, how God had been active in their lives and where they had sort of seen God's power or presence and, you know, in ways that that maybe shaped them. Uh, after. And so we decided that we were going to collect stories from our members and put them together into a little daily devotional booklet for the season of Lent so that every day of Lent there would be a faith story from a member of our congregation. And then we paired that with a Bible verse and a little prayer and then the person's picture so that when someone whose name you didn't recognize shared a story, you had the chance to maybe greet them the next time you saw them and maybe say, you know what, something similar happened to me. And there were these connections that were created and lots of good, good stuff came from that. But on the other hand, like (laughs) it was a challenge because there were lots of people we talked to that either weren't comfortable sharing a story or they couldn't even, they couldn't even think of a story or like a moment they could point to and i think that even just asking that or posing the question maybe helps to make us a little more mindful going forward of like where where are the moments when god is sort of breaking in here to everyday life and you know how is my faith being shaped by those by those moments and i mean it turned out to be just a really uplifting sort of entry into this. And um, there were folks who picked up the devotional booklet on Ash Wednesday, and then they admitted that they just went home and read the whole thing cover to cover. They just couldn't put it down. So they, and they were like, but don't worry, I'm going to go back through. I'm going to read a story each day now through Lent, but I just, I had to read all of them. And so I think telling a story, I mean, in some ways, a little more accessible than like, you know, write down your systematic theology for how you think God is at work in your life. So it was accessible. And then when they had a chance to like write it down and kind of shape it as a story, then there was also that moment to reflect on, you know, what was surprising or what was new or, you know, what, what could be learned from that story. So it was, it was really beautiful. And we actually had done it again, I don't know if it was that year or following year, but for the season of Advent. And so just to maybe kind of normalize this sort of reflecting on on what God is doing, how God is moving in our lives and what that looks like for some people. And maybe that kind of tugs on some strings in our own memories or or awareness of the now, you know, what's going on in my faith life. Randy, really,
1: i love uh hearing
2: those hearing the stories about sharing the stories and
1: i'm curious if you noticed over time if this invitation into reflecting on you know one's own story and and faith and relationship with god if that reflection piece over time had an impact on your congregation or if you noticed any change because of the invitation to,
2: to really pause
1: and create space for reflection?
2: I will say that it was a little easier to request stories by the third time that we had done this because people knew kind of what it was and what to expect. And that first Lent, too, we had had people in our midweek services, like, get up verbally and, like, expand on the story they had shared. And we we kind of interviewed them a little bit. And, you know, I'm not sure that we experienced, like, a massive cultural shift in our congregation as a result of this, even though that would have been fantastic and wonderful. But I I think, and maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I think that people just began to think like in those terms like they could kind of frame their experiences because of the experience they had of of reading and hearing from from other people and so i am curious now kind of post-pandemic if we if we sort of pick up this um challenge that we were working on before the pandemic you know where might we go from here and and what fruit might that bear
0: that's cool. What I love is you didn't have a lecture on why reflecting on experiments is important. You started with just little tiny like seed planting and inviting a little bit of reflection and then maybe a little bit more and kind of over time. It reminds me of like in sports, I'm a sports geek. And when I'm learning something new, like how do you slowly move me from clueless to at least novice or capable somewhere in there. And I think it's like a muscle, right? We begin to use it and pretty soon I don't have to think about it anymore. I know how to use the muscle and I just get to use it more often and it keeps it kind of in shape, if you will. And I think now I want to flip the other side of that. I'm maybe afraid or want to name out loud a curiosity that I have that I think some of the challenge we face in the church is that for so long, we quit reflecting on what we were doing and wondering, is this still have meaning? Does this still, does Sunday school still whatever, or does confirmation, or does this practice in church or in worship or this social thing? And so we kind of got, we, our muscles kind of didn't work anymore, right? Or they were stiff. We didn't kind of know how to do that. And yet I don't think this is the only time in history when we've had to to do some of that. So I don't know what what is that? Does any of that resonate with you or in anything you want to do jazz on from that?
2: Well, I think the the disruption of the pandemic has been actually in some ways a real a real gift as far as you know taking that sort of complacency where we kind of stopped stopped doing that work and kind of forced it back onto our plate (laughs) so that like here we are when we're doing everything differently we have to we have to reflect in in different ways and kind of reassess what's going on and I mean the pandemic obviously presented a ton of challenges for reflecting as well like there's just not the same sort of feedback loops when you're not meeting in person and you haven't been in contact with people in quite the same way for gosh, going on two years now. But we, I think we as a staff actually got better during the pandemic as far as like modeling this, this sort of reflection um, because we, because we had to, but what we had, what we had done for our confirmation ministry when the pandemic started was moved our, our lessons instead of in person. We, we, did what the three of us are doing now. We got on Zoom and had a conversation about our topic or our story and then shared maybe stories from our own lives about you know what this looked like in real life. And um, then we paired that with like a Google form, whatever, made the kids do it. But what we found was that it wasn't the seventh, eighth, and ninth graders that we were hearing back from, as far as like that was so great. We really appreciated that. It was it was the retirement age folks or people who were kind of surfing through I don't know our Facebook page or whatever, looking for some way to connect. And they were discovering these videos that we were doing. And as as confirmation, then eventually, thankfully, moved back to in person. We got to reflect on that experience of reflecting on scripture in that way and and decided that these people are, are kind of hungry for this sort of thing. And so then our our next step was to turn that into a, a podcast that we do every week, just a conversation on electionary texts, um, where, again, we're trying to relate that to what, what faith looks like today in our lives. And so I guess that's one example of how things have sort of evolved out of this starting from scratch and, and where we are now. Randy.
1: I love that. That's so, um, yes, as you say, right. Opportunities that have emerged from the pandemic, none of us is thankful for the pandemic. However, there are, you know, some opportunities that have come up because of it that, that I think, you know, are going to be for the better for, for us moving forward. And I'm curious, uh, you and I got to be in conversation um, during some of the pandemic. And I'm, I'd i love for you to, to share a couple, you know, one or two experiments that you tried during the pandemic. And, you know, what kind of you thought about or realized as you reflected on, on those experiments. And, you know, if you move forward with them or if you decided to scrap them because they really didn't actually meet a need or love to hear a couple of stories about some of your pandemic experiments?
2: Well, the experiments that come to mind are not like the formal kind of experiments where we sat down and we're like, this is what we'd like to learn. These are the steps we're going to follow. And this is our feedback loop. Mostly pandemic ministry was like fly by the seat of your pants experimenting. But let's see. Yeah, one thing that that we observed after 2020 was we looked back at our our year-end giving. And we were like, what what happened here that our giving didn't go down over the summer like it usually did? What happened here that people felt compelled to continue supporting their congregation, even though, you know, we were obviously limited in a lot of ways. And so like, what, what do we think happened there? And what we ended up tying it back to, whether right or wrong, this is our hunch is that um, the first first week that we had to cancel in-person worship, so March of 2020, I had just written like kind of a pastoral letter and sort of like, here's what's going on here. And we mailed out a hard copy like on paper through the United States Postal Service with the weekend's bulletin to all of our members. And so then as they tuned in maybe to the radio broadcast or to what was our um, very primitive at the time live stream, you know, they had something to follow along with. And then the next week things had kind of changed and evolved and our thinking had changed. So we, I wrote another letter and we sent it out, you know, that's some, a little bit of theology, a little news. And we ended up sending a weekly letter from either myself or my colleague for the whole summer i think in august we finally stopped and that sort of connection i think that people were getting with the the congregation and i think hearing not in our not audibly our voice but in our written voice our sort of hopes and prayers and laments about what what ministry was doing in light of the pandemic like they just felt so connected and so as we thought about well, how do we keep Connecting with people in that way, um, we've moved our weekly letters to more of like a weekly constant contact, but still, still in an attempt to kind of keep people really tuned in with what what is happening here. And now, you know, the next step is how do we? What does that look like going forward? And could we even expand our weekly connections with folks who aren't necessarily members of our congregation, and
0: and turn that into some kind of outreach? what i like about that story and the story about the confirmation experiment is that one of the things about feedback or learning learning from the feedback right that we get is we're like what is it about that that addresses the challenge we thought we were going after what isn't and what might be teaching us something we didn't know we were we were looking at right So what you found out with the confirmation is that this worked for that short time for confirmation and then you were going back and you're going to probably teach differently now that you're back in person from regard to that. But there was a minor adjustment, right? Long-term. But some other new learning came open that launched something else. We sometimes call that in our work, like in our brainstorming stuff, is that a parking lot thing, right? (laughs) do we need to talk about that but that's not related to this it's over here but this is like a like a sprout right this is like we're throwing a seed over there and we're going to follow it with that idea in mind or that challenge that we're trying to address that's kind of fun because to me at least because i think so often it's like yes or no did that work or not work right what do we need to learn and if and you're learning to expand your horizon and say, maybe this experiment didn't work for this thing, or this isn't what we're going to take from it long-term, but we need to do engagement. This isn't about stewardship. This is about engagement. And what does it mean to keep people engaged, right? That's an example of a different whole question.
1: Brandy, it was there, did you guys do like a weekly kids video during the pandemic?
2: Does that somebody else? we ended up doing, um, during the season of Lent, I think this was a different Lent than our devotional booklet, but we, so I had just seen as, you know, you go through all these, um, like catalogs of de- Lent devotionals and one of them had something called the discipleship. And there were all of these little fish that just had like a, a Bible verse and then like a way to practice discipleship on it. And so we, I mean, we didn't, buy one for the whole congregation. We were hardly seeing anybody, but we bought a set for the office here. And each day, either our director of faith formation, Melissa, or my colleague, Pastor Ellery, or myself would read a little paper fish and just reflect a little bit on the Bible verse and the the faith practice. And I don't know, each of these videos that went in, it was just on our Facebook page, which is accessible from our website. But I mean, it it wasn't anything groundbreaking as far as platforms. Each video was like 3 minutes. And so we just kind of threw them up really unpolished and did that every day during Lent. And we heard from the grandmas and the dads and all these people who just... They were just so excited. They looked for that video every day. And just wanted to see us and hear from us and and be connected to faith practice in that way, I guess. So that was a really surprising thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'd kind of forgotten about that piece, but it was, it was pretty low, low effort, high impact. I think.
1: I love that though, because um, I'm so glad I was right in remembering that it was, that it was you guys that did that because I remember you, you, <laughs> you and Ellery were reflecting on it and just thinking like, you know, it just, there's it really doesn't take much of us but people are really responding well to this and it was kind of one of those you know as you shared earlier like sometimes we when it comes to experimenting we do love to have you know have it thought out and we are gonna try this because we really want to learn about this so let's see what happens when we you know do x y and z and then there are other experiments that you know might get spurred on by something we see in a catalog and we just wonder I wonder if this might you know if there's something that we could do with this that would actually relate and we try it and lo and behold you know people love it <laughs> and I think those are sometimes two of the can be you know experiments that even spur on something down the road because we, in reflecting on them, we realized, okay, so you know, this worked because people were, you know, engaging with, you know, X, Y, or Z. And uh, just how sometimes when we try new things, uh, even if it isn't super formal, it can impact uh, what we do going forward in ways that we might not have imagined.
2: Yeah, there's there's always there's always stuff to learn and discover. And I mean, I guess that goes back to the importance of of reflecting and not forgetting these crazy little things that we tried 2 years ago. <laughs> because You just, yeah, like you said about the seeds being planted, and yeah, you don't never know. As things kind of keep on evolving and changing in ministry, I think we're just kind of gathering little nuggets and tidbits as we go, and and eventually they'll be quilted together in some way, shape, or form that hopefully is beautiful for the sake of the gospel.
0: I love where you ended because I think one of the shifts for me in my leadership, whether it's in the courses, right, in the degree program or in my workshops that I do with church leaders, is the shift from doing an experiment to get better, right, to for progress with this umbrella that eventually someday we're going to get there. That's one kind of experiment. But I think the other kind of experiment, which is I think more the time, the way we live today is experimenting to become a community of learning or a team of learners or a congregation of learners or whatever, right? And what I like about that is two things. One is disciple and learner, right? We're disciples. If we're disciples of Jesus, we're a learner of Jesus, and we're never going to fully master that. And so the fact that you're doing these little kids discipleship things where the grandmas and the kids and the, you know, everybody along that, are, it just says we're all learners, right? And it it models that. So that's one thing is I think it fits into our call to be a follower of Jesus and that we're never going to figure it out. We're just going to always be there. But I think the other thing is, and I think this has paralyzed a lot of our leadership, whether they're lay you know, council members or head of a Sunday school or something like that, or our paid leaders of this is not about figuring out the magic thing. This is about being a leader that's always a learner or a community that's always learning how do we best communicate the gospel to two-year-olds or grandmas or people that have never heard it before. And so, I'm hearing you become this community of learners or learning is becoming more a part of the DNA that, and, and that it's okay to say, I don't know in that, or we don't know yet, or let's figure it out, or let's be curious. Have you sensed some of that change that have come over? Because I mean, you now have years of doing this in your congregation.
2: Yeah, I think so. And thank you for saying that because I I hope that we are becoming more and more a community of learning. And I, I just remember when we started this faithful innovation process and we brought back dwelling in the word, we were like, this is so, this is so great. This is so amazing. Let's do dwelling in the word with our council. And so we, you know, read the, the scripture passage and we get to the point where we're like, what did you hear? What, what do you think God might be saying to us through this? And everyone just, it was like crickets, just big eyes, silence and they're looking at us like how can how do you expect us to answer a question like that like who are we to speak for god for one thing and so that's sort of like we don't we don't know the right answer we're not going to engage i mean i i feel like that has been a part of our our story and our our seminary trained pastors and and all of that 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 is sort of where our churches come from um but now to get to a place where we invite wonder and curiosity. And some of that, I think has to do with how how we as leaders shape the questions as well and how many how many modifiers can we put uh, in there? Uh, like like the maybes and and perhaps and probably, and you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the best any of us can do. I feel like at this stage of the game because we are all still, we're still learning and we're we're always going to be learning we're always on the way i love that you say that brandy and as
1: you know you know when we particularly dwell in the Acts 16 text i just can't help but wonder how often, you know, maybe or perhaps uh, came up in Paul's conversation with uh, his fellow travelers as they were trying to discern where it was that God was leading them and what doors God might open to them. And of course, you know, maybe isn't in the text explicitly, but Let's be real. When you read that text and doors keep closing, you know that there were a lot of maybes and what if and perhaps. And so that is, you know, it's. It should become more normal for us, hopefully, as we particularly lean into the faith innovation process to, to just be okay wondering and be okay not knowing for sure, but having the courage to say, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens because after all, the learning piece is really and who we're becoming is really what's important, not necessarily that we... That we find the magic pill that's going to solve, you know, that is the answer to all the challenges that we're facing today. And to that, I want to introduce the practice that we are going to um, talk about in this episode. And this will be available as a download in our show notes for our episode today. And the practice is action learning experiments. And experiments in this process and the process of faithful innovation are Are really a planned action learning experience that are designed to help us behave our way into new thinking. And experiments really can be one of the best ways for us to learn when we're faced with challenges that require us to adapt and do something different than we've done before because everything else we've tried simply has not worked. And so experiments create this space for us to discover new ways for us to be the church in our specific context. And the outcome of the experiment, its success or failure, and failure in this sense of it didn't go as we imagined it might, uh, is really much less important than what we actually learn through the action of the experiment in and of itself. And so we can design our own experiments that address these adaptive challenges that we discover through the faithful innovation process. And often it's really great to get, you know, members of co- our congregations involved in doing the experiments with the whole goal again. Of- Again, of learning something new in the process, not necessarily getting it right the first time. And so, the steps of experimenting and really what makes a successful experiment, again, is the learning that takes place. And the three primary steps of designing a good experiment are naming what you want to learn, describing the steps that you'll take in the experiment. And then creating that feedback loop, and I would say 3B would obviously be then reflecting on that feedback. There's really no point in getting feedback if we don't take the time and create space to reflect on it. So I would love if you, Brandy or Terry, want to just chime in about something that you are in the process of or have been thinking about wanting to learn in this season of ministry
0: right now. So Alicia and I are involved in this project and we're making some prototypes. And one of the things about prototypes is like, if if an experiment, like what Brandy said is, we're going to do storytelling for the, you know, Lent, you would back up and say, in an ideal world, what if we tried doing uh, storytelling for just confirmation and learned from it prior to the big, big experiment? So it's the pre work, right? So Alicia and I are in this project and we can see the big thing that we want to do, but we are having such a hard time with these sub teams saying, What's one thing you want to learn? Like, what's this, a prototype size and nailing it down? But what I found is while it can be frustrating, with the team, especially we're doing a lot of our meetings on Zoom, so like you, you don't have a whiteboard or napkins to write on, you know, your prototypes. But what is so good is like Alicia's questions force me to, to articulate what's behind in my head, and my, my going, I don't understand, makes Alicia say certain things. Wait, well, this is this is what I thought. Is that anything like it? And it's forcing us to get clear on what's the core thing. If we could only learn one thing, what would it be, right? At least to get started. So I find that working in teams and doing this and actually walking through these steps is super helpful, even as it's super hard with regard to that. So that's my one thing.
1: I think too, with that, Terry, one of the things that... I realize is that as you name, right, there might be, we might want to hone down on, okay, well then what's like the main thing we want to learn or what's one specific thing we want to learn. But then as we design experiments and we think about how we want to, you know, reflect on some listening that we've done and really engage in some of the, the learning piece is that sometimes there are, there are multiple things that we want to learn. And so might there be different ways that we can go about learning those things because maybe they're all actually really important to know and to get feedback on as we discern how to move forward you know with any one particular thing and so even though you know an experiment design can be laid out so cleanly there's this element that is like but when you actually do it, right? Like it's it's much messier, if you will, and it doesn't have to be super clean and polished and uh, professional. It can be it can be super simple and very accessible and free. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money, um, and it doesn't have to be some really big to do. It could be you know buying some paper fish for Lent and deciding to create three minute videos every day just to
2: see what happens. There's one thing that we kind of have in the works right now. And that is, we like, I think every other church in the nation, maybe on the planet are are struggling with engaging our middle school and and high school youth in faith formation. We just, you know, they have a hundred things to choose from on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and and every other day of the week. And so what, what could we do that would be you know, meaningful for them that would be worth their time, worth prioritizing? And so as the, our confirmation students are meeting with their mentors this, uh, this Lent, um, one Wednesday night, I have them working on a, a design a church project where um in a one-on-one conversation with their mentor i just put a ton of questions down about like if think about your ideal church and you know what would it be like what would worship be like what would faith formation look like would you have a building how would that be the same or different as first lutheran you know how would you do outreach if you you know just just all of these questions and and at the end is it's like why do the people in your church um think it's important to be there? Like, why, why do people come to your church? And I, I mean, I don't know what's going to come back at the end of the season, but I have a hunch that if we sift through 50 sets of doodles and sketches and lists and, you know, that maybe, maybe there is some, there's something there that they can teach us about how to, how to do faith formation in a new day and age. I
0: still so want to see those, don't you, Alicia? I can yes, imagine them. Do I ever? Can you imagine them sitting around wherever in the same room or spread out or whatever just talking about it? And I wish I'd been asked that when I was
1: in confirmation. <laughs> so, I love that you're asking, Brandy.
0: I think we'll I just told say. people when I was in confirmation. I think I just told people. That's probably why I'm a professor, right? <laughs> What, but what you highlighted, Brandy, in that and has been a theme in the things that you've said is not only this kind of open, curious posture, but you actually are, in, are trusting the feedback from other people. I, like, I think of if I was that confirmation kid and the mentor, like I feel like she actually thinks we have something to say here. And what if we honored the feedback as, yeah, I have a seminary degree and I've served here, but you're the only middle schooler, you're the only high schooler in this conversation. (laughs) We need your, you know, you got to help us. We have to join together to figure out what that would look like. And I think that's one of the things about reflecting on learning can do when we get that muscle going is people feel like their voice matters. And we're shaping it together, right? It's a, it's a joint endeavor. And maybe that's the byproduct of experimenting that becomes a foundation for whatever the next thing is. And I would love to have ownership of ministry with middle school kids or with high schoolers going forward. That's awesome. Well, Brandy, keep, keep at it up in Minot. Um, thank you for the faithful, innovative work that you've been doing, and more importantly, for loving Jesus and loving the people that you get to be with in not? Next week, our Pivot theme is on telling stories, which I think we teed up well here in this one, and so join us next week to learn more about telling stories in faithful innovation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Pivot Podcast. For more leadership resources, go to faithpluslead.luthersem.edu.